0: Hey everybody, Summit Church Online. we got five minutes before we get started. Do me a favor, if you're on YouTube, give us a a like and a subscribe, ding the bell, and you'll get notifications about when church is going live next time on YouTube. Or if you're not on YouTube, if you're on one of my other platforms, whether you're on Rumble or Periscope Twitter, LinkedIn, all the places, YouTube, Facebook, all that stuff. Make sure to navigate over to Pastor Wayne H. Give us a like, follow, subscribe, share this with somebody and let them know the church is about to get started. So this is your five minute warning. Grab your coffee, Bible, notebook, pen, share this with a friend and we'll see you in five minutes. Be with those who are watching today, Lord. Be with us in this room. We thank you that you're the God of the snow and you're the God of the sunshine. You're the God of the mountain. You're the God of the valley. So be with us now as we praise you and as we worship you and as we study your word today, Father, I pray that you would just speak to us by the power of your spirit. Help us to meet more like you, Jesus. In your name, amen, amen. All right, well, let's, let's do this song together called Graves in the Gardens. And then Corey sing real loud, right?
1: (laughs) I've searched the world, but it couldn't fill me. I'm never enough. i
0: out your Bible and get ready today. We're going to be studying the Gospel of John, and I have a six-week series called Countdown to the Cross. I'm excited about it. So let's open with prayer. Father, we love you. We worship you. We thank you for your hand that is on our lives and on this church, that nothing is too hard for you, God. You're the God of the mountain and the valley and all the good and bad. You're there for us. Our hearts do go towards Ukraine today, God. We think of all the Christians that are being persecuted and fleeing for their lives and some of them are losing their homes and their places of business. Lord, would you come down to that war-torn area and do miracles? Lord, I pray just for an easing of the tensions between the Russians and Ukrainians and Lord, that it would not expand but we would see peace, we would see peace come back. And not only peace to our world, but Lord, give us peace in our hearts today. Help us to find our hope and our center and our strength in you. Jesus name amen well this is uh this is one since we're doing a series called counting the count countdown to the cross I'm pulling on an old praise song called counting on God and some of you might remember this one from back in the old days
1: All right. All right one two, three. me
0: God makes a way. God makes a way. That's what I love about him.
1: Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are a way maker, miracle worker, promise keep Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are here. You are here, touching every heart. I worship you. I worship you You are here healing healing every heart I worship you I worship you turning lives around You are here turning lives around I worship you I worship you mending every heart You are here Mending every heart, I worship You. I worship You, Waymaker. You are a Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. That is who You are. Waymaker, you are a waymaker, miracle worker, promise keep light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Working. And- Work, promise, keep light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. That is.
0: Tim and Lori are watching at home. Hello, Tim and Lori. Be seated for a second. Let me give you the one-year Bible. This is March 6th, and it's Numbers chapter 6, verses 24. We've got the Eagles playing somewhere in the background. <laughs> I like Glenn Fry. I miss that guy. All right. So here we go. March 6th, Numbers 6, verse 24 through 26. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you peace, his peace. That's what we call the Aaronic blessing comes from Numbers chapter 6. That was the blessing that God commanded Moses and Aaron and the priests to bless the people with. And I bless you with that blessing just about every Sunday when we're done at the very end after I do the appeal for sinners to give their lives to Jesus. And I say, hit the offering box on the back and glad you came, couple announcements. And then I say, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you, lift your countenance and give you his peace. That's an ancient blessing. (laughs) It goes back probably about 6,000 years. Isn't that a beautiful idea? And God's been blessing his people Longer than that. And he's going to keep on blessing us longer than that. Amen. Amen. Now and for all eternity as we come and go both now and forever. No matter what you're going through, God is bigger. His love is longer. (laughs) His arm is stronger. Right? And maybe we feel a little sorrow or a little sadness or a little anger or fear. Turn all that over to God. Turn all that over to him today. And he's going to do miracles. I promise you. you. So this one is basically puts those words to music, and you can sing, you can sit or stand, whatever you want to do, as I, as we sing this one together called "The Blessing." The
1: Lord bless you and keep you, make His face shine upon you, be gracious to you. The Lord turn His Face toward you and give you peace. Sing that again. Lord bless you, keep the Lord bless you and keep you. Make His face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. The Lord turn. done
0: family members, in our church who've lost family members, those who are going through difficulty and sickness in their body, and those who have loved ones in the hospital, Lord, would you just reach down your hand and bring your healing, bring your help. We love you, God. We give you the rest of this time together in your word, in Jesus' name, Amen. 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 Glad you're here on this snow day. Well, take a few seconds, I guess, and greet each other, (laughs) it won't take long. joining me online today. Grab your Bible and turn with me to John chapter 1. We're going to be studying God's Word today. It's going to be a good study. We're starting a series called The Countdown to the Cross. So um, hope you're having a good time. Refill your coffee, grab your note-taking stuff, and we're going to get into the Word here in just a second. Well, come and sit close, everybody. I don't need a microphone today. If you all sit a little closer than normal, glad you're here today. Wasn't it? I lo- I-, I wish that you could see the view that I see in this church uh, from here, looking out at Devil's Head every Sunday. Or sometimes stand on this on this platform. You can see all the way into the foothills. It's a gorgeous little chapel. Sometime before after church, just come stand on that platform and look look that way. You're like, you have a decent view. This is okay view right here, but I got the amazing view. I get to see all of you and see God's creation. So anyway, um, turning your Bible with me to John chapter one. And as I said, I'm starting a new series called Countdown to the Cross. And I'm glad that you're here, glad you're joining me today. If uh, one of you hop on the phone and be my online person, just make sure if there are any prayer requests or there's anything that you're chatting to us, we make wanna make sure and uh, bless you and take care of your needs when, if you're online. Probably my Facebook page or the church's Facebook page is the best place to go to just to watch the stream and if there are any comments or, or prayer requests. But the Gospel of John, we're gonna spend the next six weeks Counting down to Easter. Can you believe that Easter is only six weeks away? Everybody saw Mardi Gras? How crazy it gets in Mardi Gras? We had just had Lent this last week. And Lent is the official beginning of the Easter season. Countdown to the Easter time. And so I'm going to be studying a different person in each of the chapters of the Gospel of John. We're going to see all these different perspectives of how people saw Jesus. How did, how did they... How did he appear to them? So the Gospel of John, here's a quick synopsis about, the, about the, this book. How would you respond if someone were to ask you, who is Jesus and what should he mean to me? Could you give an answer <laughs> off the top of your head? Or would the simplicity and the directness of the question throw you off? If you're looking for answers to that question, look no further than the Gospel of John, written by the disciple whom Jesus loved. This is the disciple that Jesus would lean up against at the table, so very intimate. So this gospel has one main purpose, to foster faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God. The book records at least 11 of I am sayings, where Jesus says, I am the light, or I'm the bread, or I am the good shepherd, or I am I am all these different uh, sayings, right? And, and so he, we, he speaks all these things during his ministry. And then John tells us about all these things that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life. You want to have a life? You want to, have, you want to get a life? <laughs> you ever people say, get a life? You ever heard that insult before? Like, you loser, get a life, right? You want to get a life? G- get into Jesus. Let Jesus get into you. Let the light of life come and light up the darkness in your mind, to light up the darkness in your emotions, to light up the darkness in your finances, light up the darkness in your spirituality. On a snowy day, you could kind of be like, oh, I don't want to go outside. It's cold. I don't want to do anything. Come on, online people. I see you. I see you. Right? Like, I don't feel like it. No, no. He's the light of life. Jesus is the sunshine. He's the one who gives us hope on gloomy times and gloomy days. And of course, I recommend not watching too much news these days. Because if you see what's happening around the world, you go, God, where are you? Well, he's in it. He's in it. There's miracle stories happening right now. People are miraculously getting out of war-torn situations. Family members are being reunited. Uh, I believe there's probably, there's probably ministering angels in the Ukraine right now, protecting people in supernatural, miraculous ways that we're going to hear about later. They go, Wow. God was in that one. God really protected you through that storm. How many of you have ever had God protect you through something really scary or difficult? Aren't you glad that he was there? That he didn't ignore you? (laughs) He's for you and he's strengthening you and I. So we're going to look at John chapter 1. Of course, I did a little study on the first part of John 1. It's very poetic. You know, it's the part where it says Jesus is the eternal word, right? In the beginning was the word the word already existed. Everything that was created was created through him, through the very word of God. Jesus is the word. But I'm going to look at the second half of John chapter 1. We'll look at John the Baptist. This is his, his blood cousin. Or probably a half cousin, right? Because he was <laughs> God's very own son, right? But here's what it says in John chapter 1, verse 19, the testimony of John the Baptist. This was the testimony of John when the Jewish leaders sent priests and temple assistants from Jerusalem to ask John whether he claimed to be Messiah, and he flatly denied it. I'm not the Messiah, he said. Well then, who are you, they asked. Are you Elijah? No, he replied. Are you the prophet? No. Then who are you? (laughs) Tell us so that we can give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And John replied in the words of Isaiah, I am a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare a straight pathway for the Lord's coming. Then those who were sent by the Pharisees asked him, if you are the Messiah or Elijah or the prophet, what right do you have to baptize? And John told them, I baptize you with water, but right here, In the crowd is someone who you do not know, who will soon begin his ministry. I'm not even worthy to be his slave. This incident took place at Bethany, a village east of the Jordan River, where John was baptizing. Isn't that something? John had a perspective, and I don't even know that he knew for sure it was Jesus. He probably had a hunch that it was Jesus, right? We have an account When Mary and Elizabeth are talking together and they're both pregnant, and Elizabeth says, whoa, (laughs) the baby just jumped inside of me when you walked in the room, Mary. I think that you are carrying the Messiah because my baby got really excited when your baby came in. (laughs) Isn't that something? But John, he didn't know until God told him. He said, there's one who's coming, the Lamb of God, who's going to take away the sins of the world. And so that's the testimony. That's how Jesus is seen by John. Let's continue here, verse 29. Then the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him. And he said, look, (laughs) there's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the one I was talking about when I said, soon a man is coming who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before I did. And I did not know that he was the one, but I have been baptizing with water in order to point him out to Israel. And then John John said, I saw the Holy Spirit descending like a dove from heaven and resting upon him. And I didn't know that he was the one when God sent him to me to be baptized with water. And then he told me, when you see the Holy Spirit descending and resting upon someone, he is the one you're looking for. He is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I saw this happen to Jesus. So I testify that he is the son of God. Whoa. (laughs) It's one thing for someone to say it about themselves. It's something else altogether for a prophet of the Lord to acknowledge somebody. For the miracle of God, for God himself to say, there's my boy there's my son, there's my spirit, a voice even from heaven. And another, go- another gospel gives an account that the voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. How crazy would that be? Bet Just baptizing some guy with a beard, some random dude who's a carpenter, some from a little town, and all of a sudden a voice from heaven says, this is my son. Whoa, whoa, what? Did you hear that? I think it was just thunder. I thought it was just thunder. It couldn't be in it. That was, not right? Thunder, I think? I hope. <laughs> nope. That was God manifesting his son. To John, Jesus was the very Lamb of God. I'm going to look at chapter 2. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Good morning. Good to see you. So chapter 2, the wedding at Cana. And... You guys know the story of the wedding at Cana. In fact, Cana is still in Israel today. There's a beautiful little pizza joint in Cana of Galilee, not far from Nazareth. And you head up the state highway. I'm sure they had a a dirt road back in Jesus's day. It takes you right up to the shores of the Sea of Galilee. And right near Jesus's hometown. Just a, uh, you know, maybe a 40 minute walk or so. You could do it in about five minutes in a car. Doesn't take long. Jesus was at a wedding with his mom and a bunch of his neighborhood friends. And you guys know the story of his first miracle. He took water and he turned it into wine, right? And so let's pick it up here in verse uh, 10. So when the master of the ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though, of course, the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. He said, usually the host serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone is full and doesn't care, he brings out the less expensive wines. But you have kept the best until now. This miraculous sign at Cana of Galilee was Jesus' first display of his glory, and his disciples believed in him. And after the wedding, he went to Capernaum for a few days with his mother and his brothers and with his disciples. Now, it's not long after this wedding (laughs) that happens in Cana, this little Neighborhood celebration. I'm telling you, Cana is not very big. It's like a, it's like Deckers. It's just like a little four-way stop. It's a little nothing in northern Israel. Just boom, boom. You, you, did you blink? You missed it. It was you did that was Cana. You just went right through it. There, there it there was. There, you came when it went. That was it. Like the little one-horse town. You know what I'm talking about? Stoplight. <laughs> it's just on the way to someplace else. Nazareth was very similar to that. It was in the in the just in that Galilee ridge region, kind of. The hills that come just above Galilee before you go down into the basin of that lake area. And it was there was nothing to the place. That's why when they said the prophets coming out of Nazareth, they're like, what? Naz- Nazareth? What? <laughs> it's like, can anything, can anything great come out of Sedalia? Yeah, that's
1: right. There you go. Right,
0: right. Can anything great come out of Cana? Right. Can anything great <laughs> come out of Nazareth? Oh, it's Leviers. you know, it's just a little, it's just a little nothing. God can change the world through somebody very special, and it doesn't matter where they come from. Amen? Amen. <laughs> I love it. In fact, that's how God likes to do it. It's how he likes to do it. So right after this miracle, Jesus goes to clear the temple. He begins his very public ministry here in verse 13. Chapter two, verse 13. And it was time for the annual Passover celebration. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem in the temple area where he saw merchants selling cattle, sheep and doves for sacrifices. And he saw money changers behind their counters. Now these, they, were, they were gouging people when they were coming to bring their sacrifice. And he was in, they were in the temple of the Gentiles. This was supposed to be the, a, a court of the Gentiles was supposed to be a place where people who were not Jewish could come and pray. But they crowded all, all the Gentiles and they turned it into a mall. It was supposed to be a place of prayer, but they turned it into a place to gouge people. They say, oh no, you're sacrificed. They would always find a flaw with it. Like, oh, I'm sorry, this lamb, uh, it has a limp. It doesn't have a limp. No, no, don't you see? It's, a little, it's got a little limp. No, you need my lamb. And it costs five times what it would cost you anywhere else. Kind of like, kind of like the prices at the airport. You ever go to the airport? Like, they, like Snickers is $8, what are you talking about? It's a buck everywhere else, right? That's what was happening in the temple. Like, well, what are you gonna do? You're gonna go back to your town and bring another sacrifice that we're gonna reject? You gotta buy him from us. And of course, this made Jesus very angry. <laughs> and so it says in verse 15 Jesus made a whip from some ropes and he chased them all out of the temple. And he drove out the sheep and the oxen and scattered the money changers' coins all over the floor and he turned over the tables. And then going over to the people who sold doves, he told them, get these things out of here. Don't turn my father's house into a marketplace. And then his disciples remembered his prophecy from the scriptures, passion for God's house burns within me. What right do you have to do these things? The Jewish leaders demanded. Of course, they were on the take on the high profit margins with these <laughs> with these merchants, Right. If you have the authority from God, show us a miraculous sign and prove it. All right, Jesus replied, destroy this temple. And in three days, I will rise, raise it up. What they exclaimed, it took 46 years to build this temple and you can do it in three days. But Jesus, by saying his, this temple, Jesus meant his body. After he was raised from the dead, the disciples remembered that he had said this and they believed both Jesus and the scriptures. Because of the miraculous signs that he did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration, many people were convinced that he was indeed the Messiah. But Jesus didn't trust them because he knew what people were really like. and No one needed to tell him about human nature. (laughs) And nobody needs to really tell us about human nature either, do we? We're motivated by greed. Or motivated by a, a desire for pleasure. We're motivated by selfishness. I don't want anybody telling me what to do. Come, come on. We're all rebellious Americans, right? <laughs> we, we, we don't want nobody telling us what to do. Especially that preacher down there at that church or that, that little scruffy carpenter from Nazareth. Who does he think he is? <laughs> well, he's exactly who God said he is. The very son of God. And so to the wine sellers, to the temple merchants, the people who were on the take, he was a, Jesus was a dangerous revolutionary. To John, he was the lamb of God. Let's look at verse or chapter 3 and let's look at Nicodemus, a teacher of the law. I love John chapter 3. It's probably if you talk about the mission statement of Christianity, there's a famous guy. In fact, there's it's probably more than one guy, but Some somewhere back in the seventies, some guy at NFL football games started. We started calling him Banner Man. And at the uh, at the end zone, he would always make a a sign that said John three sixteen. And whenever there was a field goal, the big sign, the big John three sixteen sign would go up. You ever seen Banner Man before? Almost every NFL team now has a bannerman. Like you, any, <laughs> any, any NFL game you go to, there's some Christian in the end zone with the John 3.16 sign holding it up, you know. So it might be a Monday night football banner. It might be like defense, but there's always a John 3.16 someplace, right? Someone bearing witness to Christianity. And what is John 3.16? We're gonna look at it here in Jesus's discussion with Nicodemus, and let's look, chapter three, verse one. After dark, one evening, many people think this probably happened on a terrace, probably on a rooftop in Jerusalem, probably around sunset, beautiful time of day to be in Jerusalem. A Jewish religious leader named Nicodemus, a Pharisee, came to speak with Jesus, teacher or rabbi in the Hebrew. He said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us, Your miraculous signs are proof enough that God is with you. And Jesus replied, I assure you, unless you are born again, you can never see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? (laughs) exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, the truth is no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life. And the Holy Spirit gives new life from heaven. So don't be surprised at my statement that you must be born again. Just as you can hear the wind, you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. It's a divine mystery. (laughs) It's a work that only God can do. It's not something we muster. It's not something we do through our self-effort. It's something God does. It's something God births. In you and I verse 10 it so verse 9 so Nicodemus replies what do you mean <laughs> he asked and I, I gotta be honest if I heard that for the first time I'd be I would say the same thing huh <laughs> I, I don't know if I understand what you're saying and Jesus replied you're a respected Jewish teacher and yet you don't understand these things I assure you, I'm telling you what we know and have seen, and yet you won't believe us. But if you don't even believe me when I tell you about the things that happen here on earth, how will you believe me when I tell you about things that will happen, that, well, that are going on in heaven? For only I, the Son of Man, has come to the earth and will return to heaven. And as Moses was lifted, lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so I, the Son of Man, must be lifted up on a pole so that everyone who believes in me will have eternal life. For God so lo- now this is the mission statement of Christianity, John three sixteen. They You hold this up at the banners at the football field. If you want to sum up everything that Christianity is, it's this mission statement. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And then verse 17 continues, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save it. There, there's no judgment awaiting for those who trust him, but those who do not trust him have already been judged for not believing in the only son of God. Their judgment is based on this fact. The light from heaven came into the world, but they loved the darkness more than the light for their actions were evil and they hate the light because they want to sin in the darkness. They stay away from the light for fear that their sins will be exposed and they will be punished. But those who do what is right come to the light gladly so everyone can see that, what the, the, that, that they are doing what God wants. Amen. Isn't that something? John saw Jesus as the very Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. The wine sellers and the temple merchants, they saw Jesus as a dangerous revolutionary. Nicodemus saw Jesus as a rabbi and as a prophet. And Jesus said, I'm more than a prophet, more than a prophet, the son of man, the son of God, the one who brings the spirit, the spirit that brings life, the bringing of a new birth, a new covenant, a new redemption, a new way to God, not through religious activity, but through childlike faith, by spiritual adoption, being born again, into God's family. A lot of people are really uncomfortable with that term born again because it has so many cultural hang-ups for so many people. I'm going to tell you, we, Christians didn't make that up. <laughs> it's something Jesus said right here in John chapter 3. Well, how, 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 how did you, why do Christians always say you have to be a Christian? Can't you just believe anything you want? Well, you can, <laughs> but it's not going to get you where you want to go. Jesus himself made these exclusive statements about himself and about the way to the Father. You can't just make up anything and hope that it'll be true. Any way that it, I could give you my phone number. Like I just said, here's my phone number, 720-989-5185. Oh, but I, I want it to be 5985-720 comes third. No, no, you can't make up my phone number and hope to get me on the line you got to use the, the digits I give you in the order I gave them to you. Does that make sense? God gave us his phone number and, and you could spell it J-E-S-U-S, right? God gave us the ATM pin code to heaven and it's spelled G-O-S-P-E-L, the gospel, right? But that's so exclusive. I, I wish it wasn't like that. Well, this is his universe. If you don't like it, Go get your own universe. (laughs) Tell us how that works out for you. Lots of people do. They try to create their own defined universe of how they think the world works. They want to have God on their terms. But you don't get God on your terms. You get God on his terms. (laughs) That's a tough one, isn't it? Because it's like, but I want it my way. (laughs) You don't get it your way. In fact, he's obligated not to do it your way. He's obligated to do it his way because his way is best. And you're his son. You're his daughter. (laughs) He wants you to do it his way because he knows what's best for you. And he loves you too much to let you get away with it. (laughs) He disciplines the ones that he loves. Oh, anybody ever come under the Heavenly Father's discipline? (laughs) Many times. Anybody get a spanking from the Holy Spirit? Oh, many times, many times. Still get them. Still get them pretty often. I like to say God keeps the naughty ones closer. You know, I got, I got four kids. There's one in particular I keep extra close when they were younger because I knew they'd be in trouble fast. Like, no, you hold my hand. We're going through here. We're going, you're holding my hand. That's how God is with some of us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I can believe that about you. Yes, that's okay. That's all right. It doesn't, it means that he loves us that he does that. Because if he didn't love us, he would just let us wander off, just destroy ourselves. Right? I love it. Man, I could go so long on some of this stuff, but I'm going to keep on plowing because we got to get through all these passages before Easter. Let's go to John chapter four. So we've talked about John the Baptist. We talked about the wine merchants and the temple sellers, right? We just talked about Nicodemus. And now we're going to talk about the woman at the well, John chapter four, verses one through 26. Jesus and the Samaritan woman. Jesus learned that the Pharisees, had heard that Jesus is baptizing and making more disciples than John, though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. And he went through the Samaria on on the way, and eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph at Jacob's well, which was there. And Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime, And soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. And he was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. And the woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with the Samaritans. And she said to him, you're a Jew. and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift that God has for you and who I am, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said. And this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? Besides, are you greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his cattle enjoyed? And Jesus replied, people soon become thirsty again after drinking this water. But the water I give them takes away thirst altogether. It becomes a perpetual spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, please give me some of that water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here and haul water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband, for you've had five husbands, and you're not even married to the man you're living with now. (laughs) Ooh, outed by Jesus, whoa. (laughs) Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place to... to of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here in Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshiped. And Jesus replied, believe me, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father here or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know so little about the one you worship while we Jews know all about him for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming and it's already here when you true Worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for anyone who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah will come, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. The woman at the well, she, she got the greatest gift of all these people. <laughs> she just saw, thought that he was a drifter. Some Jew that was in the wrong <laughs> part of the country, wrong side of town, asking the wrong questions from the wrong lady. And Jesus reveals himself as Messiah to the woman at the well. Isn't that something? Something. Jesus didn't reveal himself to the high priest in the temple. He didn't reveal himself to the Roman authorities. He didn't reveal himself to even to his to his co- to his cousin John the Baptist, who was baptized. He didn't. God revealed him. He didn't reveal himself, but he reveals himself. He admits who he is to this woman who is a stranger, a Samaritan woman. And here's a good question that a lot of times I like to ask people when. I'm trying to gauge where they are with their relationship with God. Who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? Is he your fire insurance? <laughs> I don't want to go to hell so I guess I got Jesus. I need Jesus so I don't go to hell. <laughs> don't you think he wants to be more than that? <laughs> Or is Jesus the, the judge, the righteous judge? I know he's going to come and he's going to crush all the bad people. And he's the, he's the one that's going to bring the hammer down. And every bad thing I've ever done, he's going to burn me for it. Come on, have you ever f- had that feeling of dread? Like, is this, like, <laughs> is this what you want to be doing when Jesus comes back? Oh, no. right? Fear and trembling. Well, there's no fear in love because perfect love casts out all fear. If you're just afraid of God and terrified of him and his holiness, you need a better revelation, a fuller revelation of who he is. Is he righteous? Yes, he is. But more than that, he is love embodied. He's love itself. God is love and he loves you too much to let you get away with your mess. (laughs) He wants to guide you into better places. He's not just the one who's gonna bring judgment to the world. Yes, he will do that. But he's only going to do it for those who, are, who have stubbornly been unwilling to ever repent and reject him forever. Those of us who are willing to turn and live, he offers his grace. He offers his redemption. <laughs> he says, be adopted in my family. Help, let me g- help you grow. <laughs> let me help get you to where you need to be. And uh, a lot of people, when they say, well, who's Jesus? Well, they, they, they have a Nicodemus answer. Well, he's probably a good teacher. You know, he's a philosopher, you know. He he shared some really good ideas. I tell you, Jesus is not just a philosopher. He wasn't just a prophet. He wasn't just a good teacher. He was the very Lamb of God, the perfect sacrifice, the Son of God. Shed his blood so that you and I could be made right with God. That's a big one. And it's, t- it's a tough one for a lot of people to swallow because you're like, oh, no. If that's true, then I have to let him be the Lord. <laughs> I got to let him be the boss. I can't I can't keep pretending that I'm God. <laughs> I can't keep being the king of my own life. I need to let God be the one who calls the shots in my
2: life. Uh-oh.
0: <laughs> you, yeah, yeah. Eventually, you're going to have to surrender and go... All right, okay, (laughs) all right, God, I give you my life. (laughs) So that is a big question who is Jesus to you? But I have an even bigger question. An even bigger question that, and people never go beyond that first question because they're like, oh, who is Jesus? Okay, who is Jesus to me? No, no, a better question is who are you to Jesus? Who are you to Jesus? Are you his daughter, his son? Are you his friend? Are you his comrade, his co-laborer, his under-shepherd? Are you the, the hands and feet of Jesus? Or are you kind of distant, like, oh, he's like, you uh, so, uh, know, a cousin that I see at Christmas and Easter. <laughs> Sometimes I don't go. Sometimes I don't see him. Uh, we're estranged <laughs> in our relationship. Oh, he's a good guy, but I don't want to have him too close. <laughs> a lot of people, when you say, "Are you a Christian?" You're like, oh, yeah, well, I'm a Baptist, you know, or yeah, you know, I grew up Pentecostal, so, or they, they have some kind of denominational label, you know. I went to Sunday school when I was a kid. Yeah, I guess I'm a Christian. I guess I'm a Christian means you're not a Christian. It really does. Because if Jesus is just a tag on at the end, like, okay, like Democrat, Republican, uh, Libertarian, uh, Business Owner, Bronco fan, like just, Jesus wants to be way more than that. Jesus is not a label. Jesus is not an affiliation. It's not a philosophy. He's not even a religion. Jesus is a person. Truth has a name. And it's Jesus Christ. God has His son. And he's the greatest gift to us. Well, I think almost everyone here in the room probably knows the Lord. And you probably made your decision to make him the Lord of your life. But there's many people that watch or listen online either live or later on in person. I'm going to share the gospel quickly with you. The gospel is so simple, but it's so simple most people miss it. They think, what does it mean to be a Christian? Well, it just means to be a good person. You know, if you just let your, your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds, and somehow God will weigh it out, and if, if you're mostly good, then you get to go to heaven. Nope. Good people go to hell all the time because they go to hell without Jesus. See, God created you and I for a relationship. We're, we're meant to be in a friendship with God. And yes, we already know our sins separate us from God. We know that we feel distant from God when we do our own thing, when we're not going the way he wants us to go, when we're leaving good things undone and we're going ahead and disobeying what his word says to do. And sins can't be paid for by doing good deeds. You can't let your good outweigh the bad, and that's how you pay for your own sins. You 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 could never pay enough. You could never do enough good works to outweigh the bad you've done. Because what about the things that you forgot about? <laughs> what about the sins you committed that you didn't even know were sins? <laughs> Hello, right? You ever do something bad and you didn't even know it was bad? That was a sin too. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> But, but I can't confess the sins I don't know about. I'm in big trouble, and so are you. <laughs> Paying the price for our sin, Jesus died, and he rose again. So everyone, anyone who will put their trust in Christ can have new life, an adoption into God's family, have your sins forgiven, and you begin a relationship with God that goes beyond religion. It goes beyond a philosophy, It goes beyond intellectual knowledge about God. It goes beyond religious performance. It becomes a friendship with God. Where you're like, I get to talk to God every day. I let his spirit speak to me every day. I let him heal me of my hurts. And help me overcome my sins and temptations. Helping me to be the man, to be the woman that God wants me to be. Because I can't do it on my own. And neither can you. But with God inside me, I can do it. Isn't that good to know? <laughs> you can't, but God can. Amen. Well, if you want to give your life to Jesus today, I would love it if whatever platform you're watching on, if you would message us or text us and say, just put, put Jesus or said, or I said yes, or let us know that you you prayed the prayer to receive Christ. Church, will you pray the prayer of salvation with us for who might be p- praying it for the first time? Say these words. Say, dear Jesus, dear Jesus. I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I believe God raised you from the dead. According to the scriptures, please come into my heart. Be my Savior and be my Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Anyway, thanks for being at church on a snowy day when most people did not come, where they watched online or listened online. You're the few, the proud, the tough ones that came to worship today. That's that's great. Um, if you want to partner with the ministry, you can hit the no donation box on the back, or you can do that online with whatever platform you're on. We did postpone our 301 class because of the of the. I hate to call it a storm because it wasn't even a storm. It was like a little dusting but I guess it's supposed to keep going today so we're, we're not gonna uh, we are not going to we we not we won't belittle or shame people for not being here right we're gonna just be right. nice we're gonna be nice <laughs> so um, uh, in the back you'll see a little poster that has the upcoming events for church we have begun the alpha course and so we did the we did the talk who is Jesus and I'm doing the live talk this uh, Thursday night Dinner's at 630. The talk and discussion is at 7. The title of the talk this, this Thursday night that I'm doing is called Why Did Jesus Die? And it comes from the Alpha curriculum and then it, it finishes with a discussion. And it's a great place to come. Maybe if you have friends that wouldn't go to church on a Sunday, they're like I don't want to go to church, bring them to a dinner, a Thursday night dinner. <laughs> and people can bring their questions about God, and it's very low-key. It's very fun. We had a reggae artist a couple Thursdays ago. We have a little blues jam sessions during dinner. It's a, it's a fun time. So uh, mark your calendar for Alpha Course these Thursday nights. Um, we're going to be doing the Easter Pancake Breakfast. It'll be our, what is it, our 17th annual. Yes, Easter Pancake Breakfast is on Easter, just like Grant is buried in Grant's tomb. Like I really, right? Really. Donuts in a 12-pack? In a what, what was my problem? <laughs> and then our Blessing of the Bikes event is going to be happening. So some of you remember our little motorcycle rally um, we did last year. We're going to do another Blessing of the Bikes on May Day. So that's Sunday, May 1st. We're going to be doing heavy music worship in the parking lot. I got a couple food truck kind of people, some Cajun folks doing the spicy food. We're going to get. I loved, I would love my goal, my prayer, is to see about 200 motorcyclists come out on that day. We're going to pray safety over those guys, share Jesus with those guys, just blow them out with heavy metal Jesus music and <laughs> just make it a fun day. So it's going to be a great outreach. Um, and then Youth Alpha is something we're hoping to do as a summer program, June and July this year. So if you want to be a part of any of the ministries that we're doing throughout the week, uh, we love love to have you. So why don't you stand and I'll give you the blessing. We'll, we'll go. Lord, thanks for your word. Thank you, Jesus, as we start the Easter season that you are Savior, Lord, healer, redeemer, friend, the light of the world. Now, Lord, help us to be like who you want us to be, to be members of your family, that we would let you in deep into our minds, into our hearts. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you. Lift your countenance and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you guys. Thanks for being here today. Thank you so much for tuning in today to the (laughs) ministry
2: of Summit Church and the daily outreach of Wayne Hanson. You can support our ministry in many ways. Click the donate button on our Facebook page, Summit Church of Castle Rock. Visit our webpage, mysummitchurch.com, and click the online giving link. Or mail your donation to Summit Church of Castle Rock, 200 South Wilcox Street, Box 243, Castle Rock, Colorado, 80104. Or finally, text your gift to 303-625-9434 and follow the prompts using your smartphone. You can also support us by connecting with our online community. Comment, like, share, follow, and subscribe on our various social media channels. Of course, we appreciate you joining us in daily prayer. I'm Sean Rima and on behalf of Pastor Wayne and the Summit Church family, take care and have a great week. Remember, God loves you, and he has a wonderful plan for your life.